Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Board Game Mechanics. I'm Katie, and with me, as always, is... Hey, everybody, what's going on? It is Jason. Really, I was just thinking that since you're the most consistent member of this podcast, you should probably be the person who starts the show. Uh, I, I like it this way. It's always <laughs> been this way, so it needs to stay this way. So anyone else, like if I leave and someone else comes takes over, they have to announce the beginning of the podcast. Correct, yes. That is correct. Send your audition tapes, everyone, because you're going to have to say, <laughs> welcome to the board game mechanics. It's not like it's, you know, a big paragraph of line. Well, it could be. I mean, someone else could change it up. You won't let me do a different introduction, so. So you think I'd let somebody else? Maybe, or you just do it yourself. I don't know. <laughs> no, it's not how it works. Mm-hmm. All right, I have no banter today. Like, I didn't. Sometimes I think about it like, oh, we should talk about this. I did not plan anything. You were taking a nap. Yeah, I was. Did you plan anything? Do I ever plan anything? No. No. I don't I I don't know. I'm just so tired this morning and I don't know if it's because I slept so badly yesterday. I had this dream and from what I understand, it's a very normal dream about my teeth falling out. And I'd heard other people talk about this. And in my mind, it was something different than what happened in the dream. Like, like I was moving my tongue around my teeth. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's loose. And then, like, in the impossibility of dreams, like, a whole side of my mouth, like, of teeth fell out, like, together. Like, it was, like, stuck together. I don't know how that happens because I still had a gum line. Like, I don't know. It, like, shook me so bad. <laughs> like, I still can't get over it. Um... And now I'm like, and if you, most of you don't know, but I'm like fastidious about my teeth. Like they're my pride and joy. I only ever had, have had one cavity in my 38 years. And I honestly don't think that it was a cavity. I think my dentist just wanted to get some money. Don't tell him I said that, but I think it's true because. It was a cavity. No, it was so small that. They didn't even have to numb it at all. So I just can't imagine that it was that big of a deal. And no one's mentioned it since. I don't know. But I still have all my wisdom teeth because I had enough room. I've never had braces. My teeth are straight. Um, every time I go to the dentist, they tell me how nice my teeth are. I'm taking such good care of them. All of this stuff. And then to have a dream where like just hunks of them start falling out. Oh, it terrifying terrifying so now i'm afraid to go to sleep yeah i mean <laughs> so i think my teeth are probably going to fall out so <laughs> yeah if i had a dream about that i'd be like yeah it's just normal life i guess yeah not me so anyway now now all of you know one of my deepest darkest fears my teeth just falling out so in the happy note let's talk about something better let's talk about crowdfunding some news i got kickstarters for you this week I've really got some good ones like these all just jumped out to me um now their price point maybe not the same but they did jump out to me the first one is called encyclopedia so this is from holy girl games um which i feel like i have heard of them and i yeah I, I i think we have an, a game from them i don't know what it is right now but i believe we have one but i get them confused with grail so i'm not sh i'm not sure oh. Okay, of course, that'd make confusing. They have, like, the adorable logo with the little, like, rabbit with sharp pointy teeth in the Holy Grail. Which Makes is 
funny and cute. This game is called Encyclopedia. So in this game, um, you're using dice as workers, which is something I really love. And the theme is you're before Darwin, there was, oh my gosh, Sutton? Buffon, Buffon, excuse me. Um, And he worked on an encyclopedia of like living creatures. And so you are an aspiring scientist, like there's botanist, chemist, zoologist, etc. Types of characters that you can play. And you are going to help study, um, find animals, go on voyages to add to his encyclopedia. And whoever um, adds the most to the encyclopedia wins the game. Which I think is like, in all of my nerdiness, a really, really cool theme. It doesn't happen very often. So you've got a central board. You have kind of like a little worker board as well. Um, But you've got these dice. And some of the dice have to be matching color to go to certain areas. Other areas require certain values of dice in order to be able to go. So you can like go to the embassy um, where you get like these... Uh, expedition like this writ of expedition or whatever that allows you to go um set sail there's a university where you can go and get experts that are going to go in your research team that'll grant you like bonuses and things or the bank obviously because you need money to go to the bank um then you also are going to as you conduct research you're going to choose some animals to study at the academy, you're going to go on expeditions to study like these animals and their habitats um, to get research cues to go in your animal cards. You can then publish your findings to the world. Um, and so that's going to give you victory points as well because you're moving your research cubes off of those animals, showing that you took your research and you're putting it out into the world. I I just think that seems really fun. I like the idea of it. The art isn't like cutesy or amazing, it, but it so suits the theme of this old world encyclopedia. Um, there's also solo mode as well. That comes standard that I think is really cool. Um, there is, there's a little mini expansion as well that you can discover fossils. Um, yeah, I just think this looks like a really fun game. Um, so if you like any of those kind of things, that theme, um, using dice and their values as workers, which I also love, um, check out Encyclopedia. There's six days left in that Kickstarter once this episode drops, and um, the base game is 54 bucks. Wow, that's not bad. I thought I was going to be way more than that. No, I, I'm like, oh, that you know really makes sense. Yeah, it does. I was thinking, man, you're just saying all this cool stuff. It's going to be... Base pledge is eighty dollars. All ends one hundred and twenty <laughs> plus thirty seven dollars in shipping. I was like, ah, no, it's it seems fairly reasonable. I'm excited by that. Yeah, I it's barely over the limit. Barely, I'm sure you won't consider it, but you know, you're probably right. But at least it's manageable. I appreciate that. It is a manageable price. I appreciate it. It looks like it's going to be helped helped to be distributed in the U.S. by Luma. Yeah, they did. Uh, so maybe museum. Yeah, museum is Holy Grail because Luma does their stuff. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that makes sense. All right. So my next one, the price point is a little more ouchy, but the game also looks really cool. And this game is called Age of Rome. It's by Teetotem Game Studios. So I'm pretty sure this is their first created game um, because actually their name is inspired by this ancient Roman spinning toy. 
which probably relates to this game, Age of Rome. So Age of Rome is set in 44 BC. It's after like the Ides of March, Julius Caesar has been stabbed. And now we have got to get Rome together to keep the peace. So there is a lot of stuff going on in this game. You want to the next emperor, Empress of Rome. So you get your purse player board each player board is a little bit different. You get different amounts of money and special actions for that. Then you're going to go around Rome. You're going to um, work on, you know, making buildings. And the buildings are actually really cool. They're these clear tiles that have um, different benefits on them. And then as you build, you can build up on them. And then different benefits or better benefits are shown through those clear tiles, which I think is really cool. Um so you're going to spend your money to make those on this map. And the map of Rome is like this spinning circular board. I'm not quite sure the reason. I even watched a video. I haven't watched the how to play video on this. Can you believe it? They don't really tell you why, where the movement of the um, board is important, but the board does move. There are also different like regions where Brutus and Cassius, who are these main conspirators who killed Caesar, you're out to like take them over there's this cool little legionnaire meeples you go do some area control take over their regions because they are terrible backstabbers literally to rome um there's some political stuff you can do where you're gonna go to the senate and you have these cool looking like they're called followers so they have the senator look you're going to then there's like this stack of your own tokens um, that show kind of how your popularity is, how your voting um, influences in the Senate. So you want to have a majority of influence there. There's also these cards you go out and trade um, and then you can either use the powers of these trade cards or they also have a set collection piece to them. So then there's multi-use cards, which I think is awesome. You also then can build pantheons, which is really, they look really cool. Um, there's like a base and then you put all these different segments to build a pantheon. You can get special silver and gold ones. I'm not sure how, but then they make your pantheon even better as they help score you points. Um, and then there's like these private player goals that you have that you're trying to use. There's an event deck that events come out that affect what's going on um, each round. There's a lot of really sweet stuff in this game. Like it looks really good. Um, so if you're interested in Rome, if you're interested in this is like worker placement, this is lots of different tracks, things that keep like in mind i love that kind of cool balance check out age of rome there's seven days left in the kickstarter and the base pledge is 76 dollars this is the uh I, I i think i watched something on this those acrylic tiles are pretty neat mm -hmm. like they look awesome on the board and you know this game is just euro -y through and through like you're looking at the board you're looking at the player boards man there's nothing but Euro awesomeness everywhere. So, of course, it's uh, going to be $99, thousands <laughs> of dollars. Because, man, it looks awesome. Those clear tiles are amazing. And you can stack them up. Looks so cool. It does. It does. And the player board is where, like, you build your pantheon and you've got your workers that go out. And as you score more points, you can then get yourself more workers to place, which is cool. Um, you've got little legionnaires that all go, like, they all fit on this really nice player board. You've got these little tokens that spend, like, your special actions. Um, it just looks like a really nice game. And so that's why it's $76.
but it looks good. Um, check it out. Is it me? Is it you? Who knows? Can you guess who was a mystery? Did your person wear a hat? No. Your history. But I'm still here. Can you guess who? Does your person have a beard? Uh-huh. You're out of here. Can you guess who? Do you have a clue? Do your person wear glasses? Yes. I'm gone. Me too. Can you guess who? Not you or you. You're Sam. You win. Let's play again. Can you guess who? Guess who? Game cards do not actually talk. My last one is purely self-serving. Um, <laughs> I also was going to talk about um, Village Pillage has an expansion out, but I was trying to stick to my three. Um, but there's an expansion for Village Pillage. I feel like that's self-serving because that was my very first um, review that I ever did. And the game is like a really fun kind of rock, paper, scissors in some ways type game. Um and they have an expansion and it looks really cute. So you can check that out also because I like that game and that company and I will always want to support them because I have such nostalgia feels for them and their production. But the last one I want to talk about is completely different. And it's for you RPG players out there, which is not Jason. Um, now, this is a very specific <laughs> RPG because it is is a theme that I love, and that is Jane Austen. This is Regency period, a romantic mystery adventure that's inspired by Jane Austen, and it's called An Unexpected Wedding Invitation. So this is from um, a group called Midnight Tower. It's actually uh, two people in Oxford who like to read and role play, and so they've done a couple of other books, actually, one based on Edgar Allan Poe and one based on H.P. Lovecraft stories that look really good. I don't know where I was when those two came out, but you can get them through this Kickstarter. But Unexpected Wedding Invitation, like, speaks to me. Um, there, you are invited to this elvish wedding, and then before the wedding's over, a guest is murdered. I mean, this is everything I love. Regency period plus murder plus you know a wedding i couldn't ask for more um <laughs> yes it's a i understand it's a weird venn diagram of my interests bear with me so the neat thing about this is if maybe you're newer to rpgs or and this is based on 5e which is the like a dini system i happen to like 5e if you want to hate on that fine hunt me down in the dms and the comments we'll fight about it I think I think 5e has made D&D really accessible to a lot of people and it makes it easy. And so I like that they've done this in the 5e system. Um, if it's something that new, maybe you don't know how to make a character, um, but you're like, man, I, I think that sounds fun. This idea of like a murder mystery, Cluedo meets, you know, the storytelling kind of theme. It comes with um, six pre-made characters so that you can start the game right away. You just pick one of them. They've got a background. They've got their traits set. There's even um, illustrated pictures of them so you kind of can get into your character, which I think is cool. If you like to make your own, they also it also comes with these specially designed character sheets that have like this elegant Regency theme that you can go with. Um, it's set for level three characters which is a pretty basic level so it's very entry accessible but they also have different encounters placed in there that it says that you can scale up to level 20 characters which are insane 
My DM never lets us get to level 20. He always wants to kill us off before then or make us start a new adventure. So we don't have too much power because he just can't handle that. Um, it just looks really fun. A really beautiful book. Um, a really interesting idea. I think um, it also mentions like there's a whole compendium that has lore and spells. So there's all kinds of really cool, nerdy world building stuff here that just it just speaks to me. I love it. Um They've got a lot of stuff unlocked for it. There's like cool maps in this book. There's just, I mean, fantastic stuff. If you, um, even if you have like a campaign already going, wouldn't it be fun to take like a little side adventure one time and just end up at this wedding and someone just dies and you got to figure it out? Like, I, I think it's a really cool idea. So, if, like me, you love something this <laughs> nerdy and ridiculous, check it out. You can also, they have um, another book. They're one that has an Edgar Allan Poe adventure called Before the Stroke of Midnight that can be an add-on. And What Happened to Evie Ashwood, which is the Lovecraftian mystery adventure that can be added on as well. Um, so that's also part of this Kickstarter as well. So check it out. If that interests you, it's called an unexpected wedding invitation. There's 13 days left on this Kickstarter. So a little bit more time. The hardback books, which is what I always want, $33. And honestly, that's like right on par with every like player's handbook, um, monster manual, whatever that I've ever bought. It's actually a little bit cheaper. But if you're like, well, I don't know, or we might play it online or I don't like handwritten i don't like to actually feel pages of books in my hand what kind of monster are you but you could it is only eight dollars for the pdf for files which i think is a great deal a great way to start off um if you have a more reliable printer than i do voila if you like the in-between like a paperback a soft cover kind of book 27 dollars um i just think this sounds like fun if any of you actually back this invite me I would love, I will like zoom in. I will make a special trip to show up to this elvish wedding and help you solve the mystery. So that is my last piece of news. I would love to see Aaron DMing this game. That'd be hilarious. <laughs> my DM um, is super. Okay. So he's super old school. Like he's been playing since the seventies. Um, he, he has all these like lead, like metal miniatures from back then. He basically takes old, um, modules from like dragon magazine and stuff and scales them up to five E like <laughs> he doesn't let us play as any of like the new, like species like tabaxi or fish people, or even he won't let you be, um, a, uh, Oh my gosh, I forgot their name. Dragonborn? No, he let Jim be a dragonborn. He's kind of okay with that. He won't let you be... Um... Oh, crap. I mean, he does like his uh, Young and the Restless, so this is just one step away from that. Like, <laughs> He's really. never going to listen to this. Like Nobody in my d d group <laughs> listens to our podcast, so they won't know. But he, yeah, he like is <laughs> real old school about it, so I don't know how he would ever... DM this wedding. If I brought it up to him, he would just be like, are you serious? He also was in the military, um, <laughs> which they kind of informs. He's always like, what's your marching order? Who's on watch? Are you going to let somebody go off by themselves? 
Who's your battle buddy? What are you doing? I don't know who my battle buddy would be at this wedding, but I see him sh- shunning me if I, I try to the make The person it you went with is your battle buddy. Come on. Yeah. I, he wouldn't. He would probably throw his DM guide at me or something for <laughs> suggesting it. But it looks so fun. So that's why I said if anyone else wants to do it, I will. I will come jump in on that game. It looks awesome. I know you're not interested in this at all, babe. No, I mean, if people were into D&D, though, I can see it being interesting. Like, it's a different theme, and people love that Regency time period. I mean, I think the time period is cool, too. I just, I don't know a ton about it. But to mix that with some role-playing, I can see people getting into that. hmm Yep. Well, that's all the news I have this week. All right, so let's talk about some games that we played, because that's... What I like to do is play games and talk about said games. Uh, so we have three today, and we have uh, an obscure one, one we haven't talked about in a while, and then one that was popular that has spawned some legacy versions. And the first one we're going to talk about is a game based off of a doctor, an explorer. I can't remember his first name, so we'll just call him Dr. Livingston. And the game is called... David. Livingston, David Livingston, but the game is called Livingston. And this is a a game that's effectively a push-your-luck game. And what you're doing in this game is you are drafting a die. You're going to be rolling a die, a, a number of dice based on number of players. And you're going to take a die. When you take a die, you're going to be able to do one of a number of different things. You can take money, just coins, equal to the pips on the die. You can pull gems out of a bag, equal to the gym, the pips on the die, but there's a little bit of push your luck in there because there's a lot of like junk gems and there's a white gem that if you pull out all the gems go back in the bag and you effectively bust. You can draw a card, which is going to give you some kind of special ability. And or you can place a tent down on one of these columns where the steamboat is to score some points and try to get some area control at the end of the game based on the pip that you put down. There's rows one through six that you can build in. The six, the higher the numbers you build in now, the more points you get now. The lower the numbers, the less points you get, but you get more for the in-game area control. Uh, there's a bunch of, and um, there's some other bonus actions. You can um, play cards from your hand and all that kind of thing to get some extra kinds of actions to go on. But the main thing of this game that I love, pulling the gems out of the bag, of course, because that's a little bit of push your luck. And you're also trying to donate money to the queen. You have this little treasure chest in front of you that you're going to be putting coins in throughout the game. The person who donates the least amount of money to the queen over the course of the game automatically loses. You could have the most points, but you didn't donate enough to the queen, so you lose. So you never know, you know, I could be winning, but if I didn't donate enough money to the queen, I'm going to lose. And you never know what, how that's going to shake out until the end, which I really love. And that's just a free action you can take in your turn to donate some money to the queen. And you're just trying to make sure that you're just not the least, because that's bad. Um, but yeah, I, I like this game. It's fun. It's push your luck. And I'm all about push your luck. So what do you think of Livingston? Um, It's okay. I It has the feel like where you can place tents on these different point levels. Again, that's kind of pushing towards area control, which I don't love. Um, and, I, and the reason I don't love area control is no matter how hard I try, I cannot be successful. Like I don't understand how I can be so bad at area control, but I am. And the gem thing is fine. Um, it's not fine. It's great. Great. I just don't care as much about push your luck in that aspect. Um, and I totally lost because I didn't put enough money in my treasure chest. Uh, I thought I was. I was, but I was way off. Um, 
but I was trying to accomplish anything else I could to help me, which didn't help. I don't know. I just could not figure this game out. I mean, I, I'm not saying I don't know how to play it. I meant I don't know how to be successful at this game. And you could reiterate the rules to me and you can say the same things, but it, for some reason, it clicked in my brain. So what I did for most of this game was just play spoiler. Like I'd you go did. eat. You really screwed some people over with the area control. You <laughs> and Bella. <laughs> I did. I would just go and be like, oh, they think they have that. Well, let me put a couple tents here. And then I would use, like, there's these cards that you can get. So I'd take a little low dice, dice and take these cards and then use them to kind of thwart the rules of the game. So I would put tents where people thought they had the majority. I would move the round back when they thought they had it all sealed up. Um, I like front loaded my money to the queen in the first several rounds. I kept mentioning putting money in and then I really kind of stopped, but people thought I kept putting in money, but I didn't. Um, which also, I mean, worked against me because they put in a lot more money, but that caused them to get rid of their money instead of using them for better actions during the game. Well, and the money thing's cool too, because you don't have to say how much you're putting in there. You just right. have to say you're putting money into the queen. You could put one coin in there. You could put 10 coins in there. You don't have to show it. You just have to say that you're doing it. That's the only rule. Well, and you don't even have to do it. Like I could just That's say true. it and not do it, which if That's I had known true. that before, I would have done that. Yeah, you can just say that you're donating and it's zero to whatever you want to donate, which is pretty cool. Yeah, so I know Jason loves game. I would play it again, but it's definitely not anything I would choose myself. It's all right. Yeah, I mean. The artwork is hideous. Awesome. It, well, it, it looks great. What are you talking about? It's tan and tan. It's great. It's gross. It's gross. <laughs> the board is a little too small because you can't fit all the round, uh, the scoring markers on it, which is kind of annoying. Yeah. But outside of that, I, I, I think it looks fine. You would. All right, so, I and I do. So the next game we're going to talk about is a cooperative deck building game. And it is called Aeon or Eon's End. I'm not sure how you say it. Uh, I'll say Aeon's End. And effectively what you're doing in this is you're working together to defeat this like big bad. There's some kind of monster that's coming in trying to kill you and trying to destroy the city. And I don't remember what the city name is, but there's a city that you're trying to keep from falling down to zero health. You're living in the city. You're the hero of the city trying to fight off the monster. Gravehold. Yeah, that city. And the way that the game works is on your turn, you're going to have a hand of five cards, like no usual deck building stuff. But the interesting thing here is you need to use cards to buy cards, which is normal. But you also need to play spells from your hand to be able to fight the monster. The tricky thing here is the spells will activate the next round. The even trickier thing is you have to open a portal, which is like this little cardboard thing that you can spin around on the top of your player board. You have to open this portal to be able to play spells down. So the more portals you have open, the more spells you can play down to activate next turn. So it's like a delayed attack, which is can be irritating and frustrating, but it's kind of interesting. So you're trying to jockey how you want to spend your money. Do you want to spend your money to buy cards to get into your deck? Do you want to spend money to buy um, open portals? Do you want to spend your money to buy these little like power-up tokens on the bottom of your board? Because if you can get all that full, you're going to get this really cool special ability. Um, and that's the the crux of the game. And you're going to, there's going to be random turn order. There's like a deck that you shuffle. Could be my turn. Could be Katie's turn. Then it could be the monster a couple times. Then it could be the other couple players' turns. And when you're done playing, you're going to put your cards in your discard pile. When your, disc, when your car deck runs out, you're just going to take your discard pile and you're going to flip it over. There's no shuffling. So you're kind of building your deck throughout uh, through playing your cards, discarding them in a certain order to try to get them in a 
good order that the cards work together. It seemed more interesting than I think it actually played out that aspect of it, but it was a cool concept. Um, this game is brutally hard. We died real bad. Uh, it looked like we were going to die before we died, but <laughs> we held it, on. It was, bad. it was bad. Yeah, I mean, it has some cool mechanisms. the The random turn order is interesting. But when you get some turns where the monster attacks three times in a row and you can't do anything about that, that, that can get a little brutal. So, yeah, I, I liked it. Not my favorite cooperative game in the world, but I did enjoy it. What did you think about Aeon's End? I think I like this more than you. Um, the theme is fine. I don't. It's just like a generic kind of fantasy theme, in my opinion. I like that. I like the idea of like casting spells out. It has almost like a hero realms feel to that having to hold spells for the next turn is tricky. I wish um, it had a way that, okay, if I spend this spell on my turn, it gives me this. If I hold it in this charge for the next round, it gives full power. Um, so you can decide because it is brutal. Um, and as I said before, I don't like, cooperative games where they're so mean to you like i just <laughs> when there's no chance at all of winning i'm like gosh that's awful um and and some of it we had talked about maybe it was the setup of the cards we had in the market because it was all just randomly chosen and maybe for our first time since we had never played before if we had kind of worked to make it a little clearer or a little some things fit together a little bit better we had a lot of really high cost spells and things so by the time we were able to get them out get them up into the right place in our deck um we were basically dead <laughs> um but I, I liked it i would really like to play this again um i think even a legacy the legacy part of it like i would probably enjoy that because i really like deck builders i like this is cooperative so you can discuss kind of some strategies um but also like saying oh like being able to buy these spells layer them in certain ways to have like a really powerful turn to be able to pull things off um there are some cards that gave you better things if they were both played in the same hand so then you can kind of layer those into your discard piles so that they come up for you um yeah i i i liked it i would definitely play this one again yeah i liked it too it, it is it's brutally hard and i wanted the the not shuffling thing to be cooler i guess i just didn't think you get the right cards to deal with that probably no my deck was working fine i just i don't know i just i, like, I kind of like I don't know. I think I like the randomness of shuffling because it gives me that push your luck feel. Yeah. And I like knowing, okay, I bought this card and it works well with this card. So I'm going to put them together and wait for that hand to come up. So then I can do these other things. Like, Yeah, I had that. I had those two things that were together that gave me like a whole pile of buy. Like they always kept coming out together, but I, I don't know. Yeah, it, it was it was fine. I would play it again. And I think the legacy version could be cool. Because it would develop the, the I don't want to say story because yeah, I don't say it. It, it will develop the game as you go on to change it a little bit and make it more interesting, I think. All right, so the last game we're going to talk about is a game we've had on our shelf for a while. We don't play it a ton because we have a, a complaint about the text being really too small and hard to read, but the game is still good. And the game is called Ex Libris. So this is a, a worker placement game where you're sending your little workers out into these different rooms in a library i guess to try to collect different kinds of books to put them in your bookshelf in alphabetical and numerical order so um 
yeah, it's a game about alphabetizing things, which is interesting because that's not done a ton. There's a few book games, this one and Athenium, which kind of do a similar thing. But yeah, and everybody has a special player power if you want to play the advanced way, which you should, where you're going to have a different meeple that's give you some kind of special ability when you do a certain thing. Um, and it just makes it jazzes up the game a little bit. The game is really, really easy to play. You're going to go to a location, do a thing. Or maybe the thing will activate later. Uh, the only issue is, like I mentioned earlier, the text is super small. So you either need to remember what the text is, has have the rule book next to you so someone can keep reading the room every single time just because it's impossible to see. And it's like white on awesome color tiles and really hard to read. Not a fan of that. If the tiles, the text was bigger or it had symbols or something, this would definitely be one that I would bring out more because it would be easier to see and understand what the tiles do. All that being said, it's a fun game. It plays quickly. We played it at three, and it, you know, you're you're just getting started, and then the game's over. And that's my sign, the the sign to me of a game that I enjoy. So, yeah, I still like Ex Libris. It's good. So, what did you think about Ex Libris this time? I still really like it. I've always liked this game. Um, The artwork is so pretty. Every book has a different title, which for me is fun because I'm a nerd and I love that. I yes, the text is too small on the different um, worker placement spaces, but for me, it's not that hard to remember what each one does, or at least it didn't seem to be this time. Um, so I liked it. I always wish I had more workers. I wish there was a way to get more workers in this game. Um, but yeah, I still really enjoyed it. I would like to play it more. I, I do think maybe some basic symbology would be helpful. Um, but I don't have a problem remembering what they do, <laughs> but that's just me. I really like this game. I'll always champion it. So, I mean, I always remember the first tile that comes out, what it does. Cause it's out the whole entire game, <laughs> but outside of that, I'm not, I'm not good at the remembering things. That's true. All right. So those are the games we played. Let's move on. Okay. We have done several, I don't know how many episodes, three, four. I think this is four or five. Yeah, I'm not sure. I don't know. Maybe you guys know. (laughs) Episodes talking about different publishers that we happen to have quite a few games in our collection that they have made. Obviously, this is always a revelation for me because I don't know who publishes anything. (laughs) So today we're going to talk about a publisher I know I do like. And that is because they, over the years, have kind of had... Um, I don't want to say a habit, but they have made many small um, box games. And I really like small box games. And I've been trying to work on a, on a blog post about this because I don't know how I can explain what I mean by small box games. Like games that are, yes, small and as far as the real estate they take up in on the shelf, but that also contain really meaningful decisions, like really great, compelling gameplay, but they don't require a ton of bits, a ton of space. Like that to me is really great game design. Um, not anything against, you know, big, huge, sprawling games. But AEG, which is Alderac Entertainment Group. Group. Yep. Hey, look at me. I didn't even look that up. I did not even look that up. Uh, it's who we're going to talk about this week. And it was actually difficult for me to pick. Um, I, my top five, so we each went back to the concept that I thought would made sense. We each pick our top five games from the publisher um, 
there should be a whole host of honorable mentions because there's a bunch that I wanted to put on here, but I didn't. So let's talk about our five top five favorite AEG games. Jace, we'll get us started. All right. So we had a list of 25 games that one of us had played from AEG, which is a lot. That's the most by far of all these publishers. So to yeah. whittle that down to five was rough. So while Katie's talking about some of hers, I'll add the honorable mentions to the list. Um, so the first one that I want to talk about, my number five, is one that I don't know why I like it so much. I just, it, <laughs> I don't know. I, I just like the puzzle and I like the 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 bingo y style of it. And I know you hate calling it a bingo style game, but that's fine. And it is called Tiny Towns. And this is a game where everybody's trying to build this little town. They got a little player board and they're trying to get collect different kinds of cubes in different like um, formations to build buildings. Buildings are going to score points. They're going to give you some kind of special ability. And you're trying to be as efficient as you can because you want to fill up your board as much as you can. Empty space is negative points. Uh, the, the interesting thing here is if it's someone's turn, when it's someone's turn, they get to pick a cube that they want. So they get to pick a resource that they want. Maybe they'll say red. Then everyone has to take that red cube. Or there's an alternate version where you can shuffle a deck of cards, flip a deck of cards, and everyone has to use that color cube. Um, so you can really get hosed if you know, you're playing a four-player game. People keep picking red, and you don't need red. But such is life, I guess. Uh, and, and I enjoy that. You just got to always have a plan for you never know what's going to come up. But it's a fun little game. has nice bits. I like the art. And yeah, it's good. So my number five, Tiny Towns. I wanted to like this game. And I don't know. Sometimes I do. It's it's because you have to make cubes into shapes. Right, and yeah, like polyomino shapes. Yeah. As, as we have said on many occasions, Katie's brain does not understand shapes. <laughs> and manipulating them um, in space. I'm not good at that. So uh, I, I want to like Tidy Towns, and I will play it, but it's just very frustrating for me. Uh, my number five is a game that honestly took me by surprise. Um, I was like, this is kind of ugly. Um, this Did you say bingo style on this one, too? I don't no, know. I did not. Oh, yes, yes. This does the bingo style thing, too, yes. <laughs> it does it. It does. Yes, I don't, it does. That is like what do you this... think bingo is? B3. Everybody marks B3. Yes, that's what it is. I think it's just the dumbest name. I don't want that that mechanic to catch on. Nobody say it. Nobody say it. Everybody say it. Stop trying to make fetch happen. Um, so it's Ecos the First Continent. Um, in this game, someone will choose like these elements, they're called, out of a bag. Um, and there's like little deer and like squiggles and a sun or whatever. And they correspond to cards that everyone has in front of them. So in that, and there is simultaneous play where you pull the element out of the bag and everyone can take these little cubes and mark the element on one of these cards. And once you fill a card, you can then activate it where it allows you to uh, place an animal, maybe gain some other symbols, gain some points, um, get more cards. There's special powers listed on them because you're kind of shaping, I guess, this first continent where you're laying out different land types and then you can put animals on the land types that correspond with them. Um and also even trees and mountains go out on them. And there's like the little tokens of little animals I think are super cute. Like I, I really love that, that you're matching them with the different habitats. You're scoring based on where they are. Um, 
The cards are really cool deciding which ones you're going to work towards filling. Um, sometimes you can like kind of really, my favorite thing obviously, is to chain them together and get them to trigger. Um, so you've got kind of an engine going where one can set off another one. Now the cards aren't infinite. They've got these little cute little leafs that tell you um, how many times you can play the card, which I think is also fun. It's just a neat little like tiling in almost in the spirit of Cascadia or something like that. Laying tiles, um, laying animals and just trying to collect the most points through those in just a really unique way. I really I, I enjoy it. It took me completely by the surprise. Um, and that's Eco's first continent. Yeah, it's a good one. Um, we don't play it a ton, but I mean, it, it's it is the bingo thing. I know you hate that, but uh the production is definitely, I think, in my opinion, m- more interesting than Tiny Towns. And the game is a, a lot deeper than Tiny Towns, which I appreciate. And I didn't put it on my list because you put it on your list. But I do really like this one. All right. So my next game, my number four, that's what we're on, number four, because that comes after number five when you're going backwards. And that is Valley of the Kings. And this is a small box game that Katie was just talking about earlier. It's a deck building game. And what you're doing in this is you are trying to entomb cards for points. And I haven't played it for a long time, so I'm not 100% sure how the entombing, the points work. I don't know if you need the same kind of uh, color, different colors. I can't remember. But you need to get some kind of pattern of cards in your tomb, which basically means out of the game, to score some points. But the interesting thing of the way you're taking cards is there's a pyramid. So I think it's a... A three, two, a three on the bottom, two, and then one at the top. And when you take a card from the pyramid, the pyramid is going to fall down according from the card where the card you took. So if I take the bottom left, the card at the above it will fall into place. The top one will fall down, and we'll add a new one to the top. So getting and getting some of the cards that you want is tricky because you can't get it to get where you need to be able to take it because you can only take from the bottom unless you have a special card, and it's. It's a good game. It's a small deck builder, but it packs a lot of fun. There's three different versions. We have the third the third one in the series. They're all basically the same, just different cards. But I like it. So my number four, Valley of the Kings. I can't. I think we played this once. With You played this once with me? I think so, yes. I don't think I liked it <laughs> all that much. I still don't remember it, which is a good indicator to me that it wasn't. I wasn't a fan. True. Yeah. But I do know that you like it. Um, also, in I think we bought it maybe at the same time. Another small box game is my number four called Ravenous River. Um, this game is like a really interesting psychological puzzle. So it kind of is based on that old riddle. Like you have a fox and a goose and some corn. And you have to get them all across the river by boat. Um, but you can only take two plus you at the same time and so you can't leave the fox and like the chicken together on the bank um because they'll eat each other you can't leave the chicken and the corn because it'll eat like you know that kind that sort of thing right so that's what this game is kind of based on there are all these animal characters lion and horse and um mouse and cat and dog and fox and i can't remember all of them um that you will get at the beginning like a secret card that shows which animal you are and you are trying to get your animal across the river and survive in order to get the most points 
on your turn, you can move any number of characters. You can move animals into boats. There's generally two boats out of boats. Um, you can swap boats. There's You've got these cards that let you do specialty things. And once someone has played both of their cards, then the round's over. And you move whoever is in the boat over and you resolve. So you're resolving people that are left in the bank. Does anyone... Because there's this kind of chain of who eats who. Um, and you see who's left there. You resolve in the boats. You know, if you have the cat and the mouse in the boat, mouse is gone. Um, and then if you are the cat, if you are the animal that eats the other animals, you get points for those as well. Then the boats are going to move across the river to get to their side. And then you see who gets out of both boats, who's left if everyone survives. And then you reward points. And so it's like you want to move animals, but you don't necessarily want to make it obvious which one is you because then people are going to try to keep that animal, you know, away from getting as many points as possible. Um you know, trying to figure out the puzzle of who can be with whom and then still end up on the bank together. Uh, it's just, it's a quick, very simple kind of game. But I think that kind of puzzly element for me makes all the decisions like really important. And thus it's so fun. And so you play one round and see how it shakes out. It doesn't take very long. And then people say, oh, let's try it again. Like once you get the hang of it. And then people are like, oh yeah, I almost could have had it. Yeah, let's do it again. It's one of those games that people will want to play over and over again. And it's very quickly to like reset up and just go through a round. And if people want to jump out, they can and add new players in. It's no big deal. Uh, it's just a really, I think a really fun game. So my number four is Ravenous River. Yeah, this is a good one. Uh, we played this a lot when we first got it because, yeah, that little dilemma, whatever it's called, the I can eat you, you can eat this, that thing is really fun to play. Hey, hey, hey. give that back! Mouse trouble? Then you need mouse trap! Mouse trap! I guarantee it's the craziest trap you'll ever see. The first to capture everyone else's mouse is the winner! Just turn the crank and snap the plank and boot the marble right down the chute. Now watch it roll and hit the pole and knock the ball in the rubbered up tub. Which hits the man into the fan. The trap is set. Here comes the net! Ouch! Mouse trap! I guarantee it's the craziest trap you'll ever see. I, I knew you were a winner! Mouse trap from Milton Bradley. Alright, so my next one, number three, is. I, I don't know. I, I was torn of, of, of making this higher because I really do like this one. And this one is called Cubitos. So this is effectively a push-your-luck dice-rolling racing game. So you you have a, a bunch of dice that you're going to start with that are all real pretty terrible. There's like two different colors of gray. And they have like one face on the side of them that actually gives you something. And what you're trying to do is you're trying to roll dice... And as long as you can roll at least a good face on a die, you can keep rolling. But you can also decide to stop whenever you want. But if you ever roll something and you don't have an active face, you roll all blank sides, you bust. And that's not good. It gives you some kind of consolation prize and woof. But if you don't bust, you get to, you know, you're going to use feet symbols to move around the track. You're trying to be the first player to win the race. And you're going to use any coins that you have to buy new dice. There's a whole bunch of different dice that are out there. They all have like, I think each die has like four or five different special abilities that you can pick for the game. And they're going to just help you move better, get money, maybe acquire other dice, a whole bunch of cool things throughout the game to help you win that race better. Um, I love rolling dice. I love push your luck. And I actually kind of like the games where you're trying to be the first one to do something. So 
this one has a lot of the stuff that I like in it. And I think the, the production is cool. Everything's like square. Your little meeples that you're moving around are squares because Cubitos. I, I, I don't know. I like it. So my number three, Cubitos. Yeah. Um, I like this game. Not as much as you. I like it because it's cute. <laughs> the little square, like different characters are adorable. And um, rolling a bunch of dice is always fun. But other than that, it wouldn't be my first choice. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, but my number three is a new acquisition. You've heard us talk about it. Um, Jason really liked it. But in, in all fairness to all of you, <laughs> he let me have it on my list. So we didn't all have the exact same five games. So my number three is Walking in Burano. Um, this is just a quick pickup. This is AEG and Empress 4, which I'm a big fan of that combo actually. Um, and walking in Burano is just a little tile game where you are card. I guess they're cards, not really tiles, but these small square cards that you are using to make, um, like kind of remake the, the neighborhood, the streets of Burano. So you're painting these houses. They're three, three different stories tall. You have rules for, you know, what colors can go next to, each other um you want to kind of complete these houses so that you can get either tourists or kind of inhabitants to come and reside in them to give you bonus points based on what's on the tiles there are like cats and plants and flowers and um, tourists and different types of shops and all those things and you're just basically trying to like lay out this puzzle to get the best scoring town that you can um i love that I love that. It is a little thinky challenge. Again, a very small little box, which everyone knows I am obsessed with. It it just works. It works so well. And it's so good. And it's pretty. And just I feel like it's just a relaxing game. I really like it. So uh, my number three is Walking Burano. Yeah, it has a really good solo version, too, which you're basically trying to just get the high score. Man, it slaps you around. It's almost harder solo than it is at multiplayer. But really good game. All right, so my number two is a game that we've talked about a lot, and um, you'll probably hear about it again, and it's called Santa Monica. This game is, it's a drafting game where you're trying to get different cards to build up a boardwalk and a beachfront in front of you like you're building your own tableau, and each card is going to score in a different way, possibly. It could give you some kind of adjacency bonuses it could give you sand dollars that you're going to use to use these special abilities that will break some rules um and it's just gorgeous the art is amazing um the production's top notch and the gameplay is simple but yet you have enough stuff to think about where you know it's not just playing itself and there's a a food truck where if you take from that row that gives you a little bit of options and there's a foodie that if you take from that row it's going to also give you some options so yeah i I just like everything about this. It's smooth, it's fun, it's fast, and it's good. So my number two, Santa Monica. And for those same reasons, my number two is also Santa Monica. It is so pretty and relaxing. It has that same kind of feel for me in maybe a a longer, a little bit bigger game as Walking in Burano because you're laying out this tableau and you're placing these different parts of your boardwalk, of your beach, um, in a particular way to try and score the most points. They've got all these great symbology kind of on the bottom of those cards. 
So you're trying to kind of compile as many points in whatever ways you can. You're moving these different types of people around. You've got tourists and you've got locals. Um, and there's one other type of VIPs, I think, that you yes. want to get to different places on your beach and boardwalk to, again, score you points and keep from scoring negative points. Um, the foodie and the food truck are these really cool, um, chunky pieces that are moving around and allow you to kind of break some of the basic rules of the card drafting. Um, man, I, I just really, really enjoy this game. It is all the things I love also about walking in Murano, which, which is why I was really attracted to it. And that's my number three. Um, but this is like even to that next level because it is not a small box game. It's a big one. Um, although I think you could put it. In it it could box. be a small box. Yes, it could be. <laughs> But the artwork is so like the soothing, relaxing colors. It just makes you think of a beach. Uh, it's a it's a really fun game. Yep, definitely my number two, Santa Monica. All right, so my number one is a game. I mean, when it comes to AEG games, this one's going to be my number one hands down because I like this one the most, and it is Istanbul. I love Istanbul. Uh, it's another race game where you're trying to be the first player to get a certain amount of gems, and then if you can do that, you win the game. And the way you're doing that is you're moving the this like merchant you have around these tiles. You have a merchant with your person's face on it, and then you have some discs in the same color. As you move, you got to drop those discs down. So you, as you're moving, your character is going to get weaker, and eventually you're going to take the action of where you end. Could give you you could let you buy some jewels. It could let you do some trading. It could let you get a wheelbarrow so you can store more resources. It could let you get your idiot cousin out of jail and send him off to go do some things. Uh, you can get these contracts. You can get special ability cards. So much stuff you can do on this board. We have an expansion we haven't even played yet that adds more tiles and more stuff to do, which mm. I need to get that out and play it. I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, so it, it like this game is a ton of possibilities. It's huge. It's You can set the tiles up randomly so it's different every time, or you can set it up in like the layout that they give you, whatever you want. It's just so good. It's so fun. It's not hard to play, really. It's a little bit hard to teach because you got to explain like, you know, 20 different tiles but once you figure it out it's i don't want i'm trying not to say the word straightforward just because it makes me laugh (laughs) but it's pretty uh it makes sense once you figure it out and you've played it a couple times it's that it's not hard to play at all so my number one istanbul it could use a little more female representation but it is still a good game and by a little bit more female representation representation any at all at at least one yes (laughs) any at all um, I like this game also. I, I don't know that it would be in my top five, but it's, it's, it's good. It's fun to play. Everyone knows my number one. I bring this game up constantly as an underrated game. <laughs> no, as an underrated game, as a small box game, um, as a game with an Asian theme that I love and beautiful artwork as a multi-use card game. There's so many things that I love and they're all in this one little box card game called my star i know everyone is so shocked if you haven't heard me ramble on about this which i think we talked about it last week and games played yes that sounds right uh, so my star is a game where you play as a geisha um everyone starts with a hand of cards the number of cards increases over the rounds of the game which again very quick three rounds that's it say two um you can play cards from your hand as advertisers um which when you do that, they actually help promote and level up your geisha's different uh, talents in three different areas so that you can play 
your cards as actual customers. Cards that are played as advertisers are replaced in your hand. And the goal of each round is for you to get rid of your cards first because any cards left in your hand are negative points. So you want to play cards as customers. They go down um, in your playing area. They have a special power and they do not get replaced. The special power generally involves giving someone else more cards or taking away their good point cards that are down. Um, so in some ways it's a little mean, but you're also like just trying to play your hand out as well as you can. Um, again, Asian themed, great. You've got samurais. Well, I guess it's not technically. You've got... Um, Sumo wrestlers. Ronin, sumo wrestlers. Um, you've got actors, like just all these really different, beautiful kinds of artwork. Um, and you're just trying to make the best of the hand you can as you go over three rounds. So kind of deciding how I'm going to play this card. Do I want to save this for later? Do I really want to use it as advertisement so I can really kind of boost up um, my different attributes? Each geisha also has like a special ability, when to use that, how to use that. Again, small box, great decisions to be made here. Um, this is by Seiji Kanai, who I cannot talk about enough. Love, love, love him. Um, yeah, my number one's my star. Yeah, and it is mean, but it's so fast that the meanness doesn't really bother me. Like, the game's over in 30 minutes, so it's going to be a lot of meanness, really, but then it's over. Yeah. But it, it is fun. The way you play the cards, Al, is really fun. All right, so we have a decent amount of honorable mentions, and there's one on here that is probably AEG's most popular game. It's everywhere. Everybody knows it. Everybody plays it. But we like some of our other games better, which is why we didn't put it on here. So let's start with some 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 other good games. Calico, which is about quilting and laying cats on the quilt. Tile it's game. So yeah, it, it is really cute. It's a tile game. You're trying to match patterns and colors to score points. That's effectively it. Uh, Whirling Witchcraft, which is a game about... It's cubes. It's pushing cubes, literally. You're taking cubes, you're <laughs> making cubes, putting them in a cauldron, and then you're pushing those cubes to your opponent. You're trying to overfulfill their rows of colors to score points. If you can make them overflow so many times, based on the number of players, you win the game. It's converting cubes to other cubes to give cubes to people. That's the whole entire game, but I like it. Um, Cascadia, which is the follow-up to Calico. Um, it's about building a... Like, different tiles of terrain so water um mountains and plains and then putting animals in those habitats to score different patterns which are going to give you different types of points and you're also going to score points for getting tiles that match together and trains which is a deck building game where you're trying to put down railroads and train stations on this board but as you do that you're going to get um junk in your hand which is basically clogs up your deck and you can't do anything with it and you're trying to score the most points and that you know that's one so katie you can go take over from there and do a few if you want yeah um space base which is really a simple kind of um machi koro type game in some ways where you've got these different number combos as these dice are being rolled and you're trying to upgrade these different parts so that you can benefit from other people's roles as well as your own um love letter seiji kanai boy Love, love, love. I, this one almost made my top five. Because for me, Love Letter is a classic. I mean, you draw a card, you play a card. Simplicity. But to decide what card to play, like oh, how to out 
trick your opponents, get people to discard their cards so they're basically out. Swap cards so now you know what someone else has. Mm, so good. And there's uh, a thousand different versions of it too. So pick yes. your flavor. Yeah, I like um, the original. Well, not so the original. The one that has like the extra stuff. Like Deluxe. The, the deluxe, yes. I like Batman. With the big heart tokens and the pretty backs and card sleeves. Um, Istanbul, the dice game. I like it, but I like it because I like Istanbul, and I think Istanbul is fine. I don't think you need the dice game. So to me, this is not one that I would choose, but it's fine. I also like Cat Lady. I was after Jason to get Cat Lady for forever because I wanted the cute... Um, like cat box <laughs> with the expansion in it, but we did end up getting both the original game and the, and the expansion. And you're just taking kitties and match and toys, and I'm doing a set collection to get the most points to make these goals. I mean, what more could you want? You can want nothing more. It's perfect. Um, then the we got three more. The this is a big one. Smash up, which we have the base game and a couple different expansions. We haven't played it for a while. It might be time to bust that back out again. Hmm. And this is a game where you're taking two different like factions, you're shuffling the decks together, and you're going to play them onto these different bases to try to do like an area control thing to score points. And it's like a race to I think 20 or 25 points. I can't remember the exact amount of points. Maybe 10. 20 seems like a lot. But you're trying to race to a certain amount of points to win the game. And it's a little take that. like You can make people move their minions around. You can cause them to discard their cards. But it's a pretty solid game. And then 10, which is a push-your-luck game. It's a newer game from AEG. You're trying to flip cards to collect different numbers, and you're trying to get runs in all of the the different colors. There's some wild cards that will come up that will give you some au- some auction ability to help. Like People can try to outbid you to take those cards from you. But if you get too much of a certain thing, if you go over a certain amount of number, you bust, and you don't get anything. And that's a waste of a turn because the game is real fast, and you got to be scoring points and scoring cards. And last is Point Salad. And this is a, a really fast, like lightning fast drafting game where you're taking a card from the middle of the table and you're going to use it as an ingredient in the salad, like lettuce, onions, um, carrots, whatever. Or you're going to take it and it's going to be a point card for you to use um, to score points. And you're trying to get certain vegetables to match the scoring possibilities that you have across all your scoring cards to score the most points. That's it. When the cards run out, game's over. Great game. Not like one of my top favorites, but it's fun to play. So those are some of the honorable mentions that we have. Yeah. So those are our favorite AEG games. Um, Obviously, I like a lot of them because they do have a lot of small box games. And I'm a big, big fan of those. So what are your favorite AEG games? We covered a lot of them today. But I'm sure there's some more out there that I'll know about. Because, of course... I don't always know who publishes the game. So let us know. Tell us on our Facebook page and our Facebook group, hashtag The Riveted. We haven't had any new members in a while. Um, and we'd love to talk to you guys that way if you're on Facebook. Um, just a lot of great posting about games, about games played, um, just quality people talk about games. Um, or pictures on our Instagram, on our Twitter. Thank you um, for those of you that are faithful to the Twitter because I don't understand it. We also have a Discord like channel chat thingy. Um, so hit that up if you like to real time chat with some people about games. Or as always, our YouTube. Um, we've gotten several new subscribers. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, 
if you like to see videos about reviews or you know, wonder, want to know some more about some of the games we talk about. We do have a ton of video reviews out there. Check that out. Um, if you want kind of a base for all of it, go to bgmechanics.com, our website. Uh, Jason has random blog rants on there. I have two blogs now. Um, this last one is a really, really long one where I talk about trick-taking games because I'm from the Midwest and we love those things. Um, but that's where a lot kind of a landing page for all of our different media outlets and such. Um, so yeah, we love to hear from you. Love to hear about what kind of games, different publishers you like. Maybe you have a suggestion for a publisher. We may not have any of their games, but we'll work on it. Um, con season is getting ready to come up. So get to know us because before you see us at a con and we can talk and hang out, maybe play a game together. Um, we just like talking with people about games. Yep, I agree with all that. And yeah, you guys are cool uh, for listening to us. I don't know why you listen to us, but I'm glad you do. So keep it up. Yeah, wow. You really planned out those last comments, Jason. <laughs> I did. You're right. I mean, that's as much thought as I put into most of the things I do for the podcast. <laughs> all right. Before he comes up with something else to say, <laughs> let's sign off. I've been Katie. And I'm Jason. Keep gaming, everybody. Oh, uh, we like you guys and we think you're nice and fun. Uh.